Last time we left off, Harry was learning all about his new classes and his new teachers, and he was most excited for his flying lessons. He knew that some kids in his class knew something about flying, but nobody really seemed to know a lot. Harry seemed to have a natural act for this. He was able to pick up his broomstick with ease when no one else in the class could. Um, In fact, one kid actually got hurt, named Neville, and the teacher, Professor McGonagall, had to take Neville up to the office. As this was happening, Malfoy, to be mean, tried to hide Neville's remember-all high up in the air as he flew off on his broomstick. And this was a question that was asked whether Harry Potter was brave or not very smart. Um, And so that is up to you. But regardless, Harry followed Malfoy on the broomstick that he had never ridden before all the way up, knowing that he could get in serious trouble if he was caught. Um, The last thing we heard was that Harry had caught the remember-all and it was clutched safely in his fist as he landed on the grass. And this is where we leave off. Harry Potter! His heart sank faster than he had just dived. Professor McGonagall was running toward them. He got to his feet, trembling. Never in all my time at Hogwarts. Professor McGonagall was almost speechless with shock, and her glasses flashed furiously. How dare you? Might have broken your neck. It wasn't his fault, Professor. Be quiet, Miss Patil. But Malfoy, that's enough. Mr. Weasley, Potter, follow me now. Harry caught sight of Malfoy, Crabbe, and Goyle's triumphant faces as he left, walking numbly in Professor McGonagall's wake as she strode toward the castle. He was going to be expelled. He just knew it. He wanted to say something to defend himself, but there seemed to be something wrong with his voice. Professor McGonagall was sweeping along without even looking at him. He had a jog to keep up. Now he'd done it. He hadn't even lasted two weeks. He'd be packing up his bags in ten minutes. What would the Dursleys say when he turned up on their doorstep? Up the front steps, up the marble staircase inside, and still Professor McGonagall didn't say a word. She wrenched open the doors and marched along the corridors with Harry trotting miserably behind her. Maybe she was taking him to Dumbledore. He thought of Hagrid, expelled, but allowed to stay on as gameskeeper. Perhaps he could be Hagrid's assistant? His stomach twisted as he imagined it, watching Ron and the others becoming wizards while he stumped around the grounds carrying Hagrid's bag. Professor McGonagall stopped outside a classroom. She opened the door and poked her head inside. Excuse me, Professor Flitwick, could I borrow wood for a moment? Wood, thought Harry bewildered. Was wood a cane she was going to use on him? But wood turned out to be a person, a burly fifth-year boy who came out of Flitwick's class looking confused. Follow me, you two, said Professor McGonagall, and they marched on up the corridor, wood looking curiously at Harry. In here, Professor McGonagall pointed them into a classroom that was empty except for Peeves, who was busy writing rude words on the blackboard. Out, Peeves, she barked. Peeves threw the chalk into a bin, which clanged loudly, and he swooped out, cursing. Professor McGonagall slammed the door behind him and turned to face the two boys. Potter, this is Oliver Wood. Wood, I found you a seeker. 
Ward's expression changed from puzzlement to delight. Are you serious, Professor? Absolutely, said Professor McGonagall crisply. The boy's unnatural. I've never seen anything like it. Was that your first time on a broom, Potter? Harry nodded silently. He didn't have a clue what was going on, but he didn't seem to be being expelled, and some of the feelings started to come back to his legs. He caught the thing in his hand after a 50-foot dive, Professor McGonagall told one. Didn't even scratch himself. Charlie Weasley couldn't have done it. Wood was now looking as though all his dreams had come true at once. Ever seen a game of Quidditch, Potter? He asked excitedly. Wood's captain of Gryffindor team, Professor McGonagall explained. He's just the build for a seeker too, said Wood, now walking around Harry, staring at him. Light, speedy. We'll have to get a decent broom, Professor. A Nimbus 2000 or a clean sweep 7, I'd say. I shall speak to Professor Dumbledore and see if we can bend the first year rule. Heaven knows we need a better team than last year. Flattened in the last match by Slytherin. I couldn't look at Severus Snape for weeks. Professor McGonagall peered sternly over her glasses at Harry. I want to hear your training hard, Potter, or I may change my mind about punishing you. Then she suddenly smiled. Your father would have been proud, she said. He was an excellent Quidditch player himself. You're joking. In dinner time, Harry had just finished telling Ron what had happened when he left the grounds with Professor McGonagall. Ron had a piece of steak and a kidney pie halfway to his mouth, but he'd forgotten all about it. Seeker, he said, but first years never. You must be the youngest house player in about a century, said Harry, shoveling pie into his mouth. He felt particularly hungry after the excitement of the afternoon. Wood told me. Ron was so amazed, so impressed. He just sat and gaped at Harry. I start training next week, said Harry. Only don't tell anyone. Wood wants to keep it a secret. Fred and George Weasley now came to the hall, spotted Harry, and hurried over. Well done, said George in a low voice. Wood told us. We're on the team too. Beaters. I tell you, we're going to win that Quidditch Cup for sure this year, said Fred. We haven't won since Charlie left, but the first year's team is going um, to be brilliant. You must be good, Harry. Wood was almost skipping when he told us. Anyway, we've got to go. Lee Jordan reckons he's found a new secret passageway out of the school. Bet it's the one behind the statue of Gregory the Shramry um, that we found in the first week. See ya. Fred and George had hardly disappeared when someone far less welcome turned up. Malfoy, flanked by Crab and Goyle. Having a last meal, Potter? When are you getting the train back to the Muggles? You're a lot braver now that you're backed on the ground and you've got your little friends with you, said Harry coolly. There was, of course, nothing at all little about Crab and Goyle, but as the high table was full of teachers, neither of them could do more than crack their knuckles and scowl. I take you on any time on my own, said Malfoy. Tonight, if you want, wizard's duel, wands only, no contact. What's the matter? Never heard of a wizard's duel before, I suppose? Of course he has, said Ron, wheeling around. I'm his second. Who's yours? Malfoy looked at Crab and Goyle, sizing them up. Crab, he said. Midnight, all right? 
We'll meet you in the trophy room that's always unlocked. When Malfoy had gone, Ron and Harry looked at each other. What is a wizard's duel? said Harry. What do you mean you're my second? Well, a second's there to take over if you die, said Ron casually. Getting um, started at last on his cold pie, catching the look on Harry's face, he added quickly. But people only die in proper duels, you know, with real wizards. The most you and Malfoy will be able to do is send sparks at each other. Neither of you knows enough magic to do any real damage. I bet he expected you to refuse anyway. And what if I wave my wand and nothing happens? Throw it away and punch him in the nose, Ron suggested. Excuse me? They both looked up. It was Hermione Granger. Can't a person eat in peace in this place, said Ron. Hermione ignored him and spoke to Harry. I couldn't help but overhearing you and Malfoy were saying. Bet you could, Ron muttered. And you mustn't go wandering around the school at night. Think of all the points you'll lose Gryffindor if you're caught, and you're bound to be. It's really selfish of you. And it's really none of your business, said Harry. Goodbye, said Ron. It wasn't what you'd call the perfect end to the day, Harry thought as he lay awake much later listening to Dean and Seamus fall asleep. Neville was in fact in the hospital wing. Ron had spent spent all evening giving him advice such as, if he tries to curse you, you better dodge it because I can't remember how to block them. There was a very good chance they were going to get caught by Filch or Mrs. Norris and Harry felt he was pushing his luck breaking another school rule today. On the other hand, Malfoy's sneering face kept looming up up out of the darkness. This was his big chance to beat Malfoy face to face. He couldn't miss it. Half past eleven, Ron muttered at last. We better go. They pulled on their bathrobes, picked up their wands, and crept across the tower room, down the spiral staircase, and into Gryffindor common room. A few embers were still glowing in the fireplace turning all the armchairs into hunched black shadows. They had almost reached the portrait hall when a voice spoke from the chair nearest them. I can't believe you're going to do this, Harry. A lamp flickered on. It was Hermione Granger, wearing a pink bathrobe and a frown. You, said Ron furiously, go back to bed. I almost told your brother, Hermione snapped. Percy, he's a prefect. He'd put a stop to this. Harry couldn't believe anyone could be so infuriating. Come on, he said to Ron. He pushed open the portrait of the fat lady and climbed through the hole. Hermione wasn't going to give up that easily. She followed Ron through a portrait hole, hissing at them like an angry goose. Don't you care about Gryffindor? Do you only care about yourselves? I don't want Slytherin to win the house cup and you'll lose all the points I got from Professor McGonagall for knowing about switching spells. Go away. All right, but I warned you. You just remember what I said when you're on the train home tomorrow. You're so... But what they were, they didn't find out. Hermione had turned to the portrait of the fat lady to get back inside and found herself facing an empty painting. The fat lady had gone on a nightmare visit nighttime visit 
and Hermione was locked out of Gryffindor Tower. Now what am I going to do? She asked shrilly. That's your problem, said Ron. We've got to go. We're going to be late. They hadn't even reached the end of the corridor when Hermione caught up with them. I'm coming with you, she said. You are not. Do you think I'm going to stand out here and wait for Filch to catch me? If he finds all three of us, I'll tell him the truth, that I was trying to stop you, and you can back me up. You've got some nerve, said Ron loudly. Shut up, both of you, said Harry sharply. I heard something. It was sort of snuffling. Mrs. Norris, breathed Ron, squinting through the dark. It wasn't Mrs. Norris. It was Neville. He was curled up on the floor, fast asleep, but jerked suddenly awake as they crept nearer. Thank goodness you found me. I've been out here for hours. I couldn't remember the new password to get back into bed. Keep your voice down, Neville. The password's pig snout. But it won't help you now. The fat lady's gone off somewhere. How's your arm? said Harry. Fine, said Neville, showing them. Madame Pomfrey mended it about a minute. Good. Well, look, Neville, we've got somewhere to go. We'll see you later. Don't leave me, said Neville, scrambling to his feet. I don't want to stay here alone. The bloody baron's been passed twice already. Ron looked at his watch and then glared furiously at Hermione and Neville. If either of you get us caught, I'll never rest until I've learned that curse of the Boyges Quirrell told us about and used it on you. Hermione opened her mouth, perhaps to tell Ron exactly how to use the curse of Voyages, but Harry hissed at her to be quiet and beckoned them all forward. They flitted along the corridors, stripped with bars of moonlight from the high windows. At every turn, Harry expected to run into Filch or Mrs. Norris, but they were lucky. They sped up a staircase to the third floor and tiptoed toward the trophy room. Malfoy and Crabbe weren't there yet. The crystal trophy cases glimmered where the moonlight caught them. Cups, shields, plates, and statues winked silver and gold in the darkness. They edged along the walls, keeping their eyes on the doors at either end of the room. Harry took out his wand in case Malfoy leapt in and started at once. The minutes crept by. He's late. Maybe he's chickened out, Ron whispered. Then a noise in the next room made them jump. Harry had only just raised his wand when they heard someone speak, and it wasn't Malfoy. Sniff around, my sweet, they might be lurking in a corner. It was Filch speaking to Mrs. Norris. Horror struck. Harry waved madly at the other three to follow him as quickly as possible. They scurried silently toward a door, away from Filch's voice. Neville's ropes had barely whipped around the corner when they heard Filch enter the trophy room. They're in here somewhere, they heard him mutter. Probably hiding. This way, Harry mouthed to the others, and petrified, they began to creep down a long gallery full of suits and armor. They could hear Filch getting nearer. Neville suddenly let out a frightened squeak and broke into a run. He tripped, grabbed Ron around the waist, and the pair of them toppled right into a suit of armor. The clanging and crashing were enough to wake the whole castle. Run, Harry yelled, and the four of them sprinted down the gallery, not looking back to see whether Filch was following. They swung around the door post 
and galloped down one corridor, then another, Harry in the lead, without any idea where they were going, or where, um, where they were, or where they were going. They ripped through a tapestry and found themselves in a hidden passageway, hurtled along it, and came out near the charms classroom, which they knew was miles from the trophy room. I think we've lost him, Harry panted, leaning against the cold wall and wiping his forehead. Neville was bent down, bent double, wheezing and spluttering. I told you, Hermione gasped, clutching at the stitch in her chest. I told you. We've got to get back to the Gryffindor Tower, said Ron, quickly as possible. Malfoy tricked you, Hermione said to Harry. You realize that, don't you? He was never going to meet you. Filch knew someone was going to be in the trophy room. Malfoy must have tipped them off. Harry thought she was probably right, but he wasn't going to tell her that. Let's go. It wasn't going to be that simple. They hadn't gone more than a dozen places when a doorknob rattled and something came shooting out of the classroom in front of them. It was Peeves. He caught sight of them and gave a squeal of delight. Shut up, Peeves. Please, you'll get us thrown out. Peeves cackled. Wandering around at midnight, I go fristy. Tut, 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 naughty, naughty, you'll get caughty. Not if you don't give us away, Peeves, please. Should I tell Filch I should? Said Peeves in a saintly voice, but his eyes glittered wickedly. It's for your own good, you know. Get out of the way, snapped Ron, taking a swipe at Peeves. That was a big mistake. Students out of bed, Peeves bellowed. Students out of bed, down in the charms corridor. Ducking under Peeves, they ran for their lives right to the end of the corridor where they slammed into a door and it was locked. That's it, Ron moaned as he pushed helplessly at the door. We're done for, this is the end. They could hear footsteps. Filch running as fast as he could toward Peeves' shout. Oh, move over, Hermione snarled. She grabbed Harry's wand, tapped the lock, and whispered, Alakumara. The lock clicked and the door swung open. They piled through it and shut it quickly and pressed their ears against it, listening. Which way did, did they go, Peeves? Filch was saying, quick, tell me. Say, please. Don't mess with me, Peeves. Now, where did they go? Shan't say nothing if you don't say please, said Peeves in an annoying sing-song voice. All right, please. Nothing, haha. -ha. Told you I wouldn't say nothing if you didn't say please. Ha ha ha. And they heard the sound of Peeves wishing away and Filch cursing in rage. He thinks the door is locked, Harry whispered. I think we'll be okay. Get off. Get off, Neville. For Neville had been tugging on his sleeve, uh, on the sleeve of Harry's bathrobe for the last minute. What? Harry turned around and saw quite clearly what. For a moment, he was sure he'd walked into a nightmare. This was too much on top of everything that had happened so far. They weren't in a room as he had supposed. They were in a corridor, a forbidden corridor on the third floor, and now they knew why it was forbidden. 
They were looking straight into the eyes of a monstrous dog, a dog that filled the whole space between ceiling and floor. It had three heads, three pairs of rolling mad eyes, three noses twitching and quivering in their direction, three drooling mouths, saliva hanging in slippery ropes from yellowish fangs. It was standing quite still, all six eyes staring at them, and Harry knew the only reason they weren't already dead was that their sudden appearance had taken it by surprise, but it was quickly getting over that. There was no mistaking what those thunderous growls meant. Harry groped for the doorknob. Between filch and death, he'd take filch. They fell backward. Harry slammed the door shut, and they ran. They almost flew back down the corridor. Filch must have hurried off to look for them somewhere else because they didn't see him anywhere. But they hardly cared. All they wanted to do was put as much space as possible between them and that monster. They didn't stop running until he reached the portrait of the fat lady on the seventh floor. Where on earth have you been? She asked, looking at their bathrobes, hanging off their shoulders and their flushed, sweaty faces. Never mind that. Pig snout, pig snout, panted Harry. And the portrait swung forward. They scrambled into the common room and collapsed, trembling, trembling into armchairs. It was a while before any of them said anything. Neville, indeed, looked as if he would never speak again. What do they think they, they're doing? Keeping a little thing like that at the school, said Ron finally. If any dog needs exercise, that one does. Hermione had got both her breath and her bad temper back again. You don't use your eyes, any of you, do you? She snapped. Didn't you see what it was standing on? The floor, Harry suggested. I wasn't looking at its feet. I was too busy looking at its heads. No, not the floor. It was standing on a trap door. It's obviously guarding something. She stood up, glaring at them. I hope you're pleased with yourselves. We could have all been killed, or worse, expelled. Now, if you don't mind, I'm going back to bed. Ron stared at her, his mouth open. No, we don't mind he said. You'd think we dragged her along, wouldn't you? But Hermione had given Harry something else to think about. He climbed back into bed. The dog was guarding something. What had Hagrid said? Gringotts was the safest place in the world for something you wanted to hide. Except, perhaps, Hogwarts. It looked as though Harry had found out where the grubby little package from the vault 713 was. Ten, Halloween. Malfoy couldn't believe his eyes when he saw Harry and Ron were still at Hogwarts the next day, looking tired but perfectly cheerful. Indeed, by next morning, Harry and Ron thought that meeting the three-headed dog had been an excellent adventure, and they were quite keen to have another one. In the meantime, Harry filled Ron in about the package that seemed to have been moved from Gringotts to Hogwarts, and they spent a lot of time wondering what could possibly need such heavy protection. It's either really valuable or really dangerous, said Ron. Or both, said Harry. But as they knew, um, but as all they knew for sure about the mysterious object was that it was about two inches long and they didn't have 
much of a chance of guessing what it was without further clues. Neither Neville nor Hermione showed the slightest interest in what lay underneath the dog in the trapdoor. All Neville, Neville cared about was never going near that dog again. Hermione was now refusing to speak to Harry and Ron, but she was such a bossy know-it-all that um, they saw this as an added bonus. All they really wanted now was a way of getting back at Malfoy, and to their great delight, just such a thing arrived in the mail about a week later. As the owls flooded in a great hall as usual, everyone's attention was caught by one um, at once by a long, thin package carried by six large screech owls. Harry was just as interested as everyone else to see what was in the large parcel and was amazed when the owls soared down and dropped it right in front of him, knocking his um, bacon onto the floor. They hardly fluttered out of the way when another owl dropped a letter on top of the parcel. Harry ripped open the letter first, which was lucky because it said, Do not open the parcel at the table. It contains in your new Nimbus 2000, but I don't want everybody knowing you've got a broomstick, although all want one. Oliver Wood will meet you tonight on the Quidditch field at 7 o'clock for your first training session. Professor M. McGonagall. Harry had difficulty... Um, had difficulty hiding his glee as he handed the note to Ron to read. A Nimbus 2000, Ron mowed enviously. I've never even touched one. They left the hall quickly, wanting to unwrap the broomstick in private before their first class. But halfway across the entrance hall, they found the way upstairs um, barred by Crabbe and Goyle. Malfoy seized the package from Harry and felt it. That's a broomstick, he said, throwing it back to Harry with a mixture of jealousy and spite on his face. You'll be in for it this time, Potter. First years aren't allowed them. Ron couldn't resist it. It's not any old broomstick, he said. It's a Nimbus 2000. What did you say you got at home, Malfoy? A Comet 260? Ron grinned at Harry. Comets look flashy, but they're not this in the same league as the Nimbus. What would you know about it, Weasley? You couldn't afford half the handle, Malfoy snapped back. I suppose you and your brothers have to save up twig by twig. Before Ron could answer, Professor Flitwick appeared in, um, at Malfoy's elbow. Not arguing, I hope, boys, he squeaked. Potter's been sent a broomstick, Professor, said Malfoy quickly. Yes, yes, that's right, said Professor Flitwick, beaming at Harry. Professor McGonagall told me all about the special circumstances, Potter. And what model is it? A Nimbus 2000, sir, said Harry, fighting not to laugh at the look of horror on Malfoy's face. And it, it's really thanks to Malfoy here that I got it, he added. Harry and Ron headed upstairs, smothering their laughter at Malfoy's obvious rage and confusion. Fusion.